on lost everybody this is episode number 62 and the thrill in my voice can only tell us one thing we are about to discuss the episode expose and uh we are looking forward to discussing this episode and uh seeing how many diamonds we can find and um just guys i can't keep this up anymore i'm trying so hard uh so we (laughs) I am Mike, and we have Corey and Steven. Uh, guys, how are you? And uh, what's going on? I I just cannot believe that Mr. Lashaw was the Cobra. Yes, yes. <laughs> For four whole seasons, time. I've been watching this show. <laughs> Corey. Mind-blowing. Oh, my. That's so good. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm I'm interested... Uh, to see how this discussion goes, because this is this is quite the episode. This is quite the episode for sure. Yes, one yes, of is. a kind. I feel like this is going to be a good episode. I feel like we're going to have a little razzle dazzle this episode. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh boy. Well, look. Uh, I'm glad you guys are doing good. I'm glad you guys are on this journey with me here, and um, and uh, we'll see. I think we have some varying opinions about this episode, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, why we think certain ways. Um, but you guys, again, you guys know where we're at on. We we we've plugged this before. Um, you guys know we're out on social media. It's also in the show notes too. So if you want to follow, if you want to find out where you can find us on the show notes, it's there as well. Um, we are part of the RetroZap network, so check us out there as well. So let's go ahead then and uh, expose this expose of an episode. So, Stephen, <laughs> get us started here. Tell us a little bit about this episode. All right. This is uh, episode 14 of season three, first aired March 28th, 2007. It was directed by Stephen Williams and written by Eddie Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. Um, Nikki and Paolo are two more of the castaways with a past, just like any of the others. What have they been doing since the plane crash? <laughs> Absolutely. Never mind. We'll get into that later. Yeah, what What have they been doing? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so just a few episode facts. For this episode, the characters of Nikki and Paolo had to be convincingly incorporated into the plane crash scene featured in the pilot. The editing crew meticulously watched hours of original footage to determine where additional scenes could be placed, which camera angles had not been used before, and which characters could be used for additional shots. The original beach set, which was still largely intact, was revisited, and additional shots of Nikki and Paolo and several original cast members were filmed. In some instances, acting was performed in front of a green screen to incorporate the actors in existing unused footage. The resulting scene is a seamless cut of old and new altered shots. Okay, I I will say, even if I didn't like the story very much in this episode, the work they put into this episode was really good. Yeah, you got to tip your your cap to that. Like, it was pretty cool seeing this kind of, you know, alternate, I mean, this this retelling of the crash. Yeah, and... And just thinking about it again caused me to go up in my rating system points, um, just just just, <laughs> just because of how seamless it, it went. So that was that one. Uh, the huge negative response of the audience to the characters of Nikki and Paolo forced the writers to kill them, although they were going to have a major plot. That's great. Any any idea what the plot you think would have been? I I don't know. <laughs> Do you think it would have been a similar plot, just kind of told over a longer period of time, you know, like rather than doing it all in this episode? I mean, um, maybe, no, maybe, they no. were, maybe they actually worked for Dharma somehow and we're still, you know, and their Dharma was still recruiting. We don't know what the plot was going to be. <clears throat> 
but they got axed. So this would have been really cool. The writers originally intended to have more gags in this episode. For example, one gag would have had Nikki and Paulo finding Shannon's asthma inhaler and then discarding it. <laughs> oh, uh, another was to have them meeting Locke and Boone by the lake. They have shovels as they were excavating the hatch before they both carry on with their business. It's been really Those would have been fun. It would have been really cool to see the <laughs> inhaler one. To be, let's just be honest. Yeah, like, oh, yeah that would have been. Yeah, funny. she doesn't need this anymore. And then you're junk. <laughs> but I, I also think too many of those gags would like kind of take you out of it, like a little. Yes. Like, okay, how true could this be? But they do end up actually doing the inhaler gag in season six with Hurley and Jack instead. So it it yeah. does end up happening, but not quite in the same way. Yeah. Right. Dude, Shannon's inhaler. <laughs> <laughs> we found it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, All right, Corey, yeah. how many how many days have we been on this island then? Uh, well, just stay on the edge of your seat there for a second. I was just going to say in response to fact and this really is a response to the fans hating these characters. And this just shows you what TV what you're able to do now this doesn't really work with streaming shows when like a whole season drops right away but you could see this maybe in modern day television um an example would be uh with stranger things how they just nixed the whole story with 11 and her super friends like they're like screw that like we're not doing that anymore uh but this is people hated these characters so much that they found a way to write them out the of the show but do it in the most like over the top, crazy, and very you know inventive, you know cr- you know interesting way. So, uh, you know, it's very polarizing though. <laughs> I, I feel like this was also uh, a, because of the writers' strike that happened this year. Because we did, we had that first stretch of six episodes, then we had a long break where normally they already would have been working further ahead and probably further along in the season. Where instead, because of the writer strike, they had a long break. And during that break, they probably heard this criticism of Nikki and Paolo and decided to go a different way. Uh, so I feel, really feel like this probably wouldn't have happened well, if it wasn't for the writer's strike. Well, I thought the writer's strike was season four because that's the episode, season that caught, cut to 14. Yeah, writer's strike was season four. Is this, was it? Was it? Yeah, well, this there, was a big, had... there was a big break. I thought it was because of the writer's strike. I could be wrong there, but there was nonetheless, there was the big break between the first six and the later episodes. Yeah. Um, so right. I feel like there was more time to react this season than otherwise. So I, I may be wrong on the writer strike there. Well, because I think the strike they actually like didn't write like people weren't working. Same reason why <laughs> season four of The Office is like super short. It's because like they just couldn't keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, and 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 if you th- and if you think about this episode too, since we're talking about the negative response, you think this was before the age of. Hashtag we hate Nikki and Paulo or, you know, this is before the age of like Twitter and all these big social media conglomerates, you know, Facebook was just getting really going. So these were blogs. So if you think about this, this was the 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 outcry of the fans that they hated these two characters had to have been loud enough that the authors or the writers took notice like okay, these guys really hate it. There's no like hashtag, you know restore the the Apollo cut or something like that you know there's yeah there there's it had to be loud enough that they heard and um so that, that that's what makes it even more interesting is that the fans were able to get them to change things without having to put it all over social media oh yeah they they paid attention they paid attention to it oh yeah <clears throat> excuse me so, so Anyways, back to what I was going to say. Days on the island. We are on day 81. And then really big section here. Um, I'm going to recount the previously unlost section. Actually, just kidding. No, this episode just started. We didn't need any sort of previously. It just bam, right into a cold open. (laughs) Immediately, uh, Nikki comes out of the jungle. So, uh, yep. Anyways, let's uh, get into our discussion here. Where where do we want to start on this? Let's go ahead and do the off island because I think the on island has got more story to it. So, 
the off cool. island, we find out that that Nikki is a is a is an actor in a TV show called Expose. We talked about it on the last episode that Locke was watching it. Um, her character gets killed off. She ends up quote unquote marrying the 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 director and or not marrying the director, but in a relationship with the director. And Paul is uh, her sugar daddy. Her dad's right. Look, sugar daddy is the word you're She's looking a, for. Yeah. <laughs> and then Paulo ends up being the chef. And uh, <laughs> we don't think anything of it. Everything seems harmless. Until. <laughs> she oh, God. Yeah. You, you just like swept right over the the opening, man. Like, and then that we swept. I know. Listen, I saved it because it's the best part of the episode to me. <laughs> Billy D. Williams, baby. Yeah, man. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I we mean, start off with a strip club, which is like, well, you know, usually this is not very common for Lost to get a. <laughs> and so you're like, oh, okay, I guess Nikki was a stripper. Okay, that's that's the background they're going. We're having we have a stripper character. Interesting. And uh, <laughs> then you know, that things just seem like a little corny. I love they play with us by having and then piece by piece until she. I don't know. There's something she says when she says you stole the money from the orphanage. Then you know, okay, this can't be real. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is terrible. <laughs> oh, him. razzle dazzle. <laughs> Corvette is killing it, man. She's doing great. <laughs> oh my goodness. Go ahead, go ahead, Stephen. Oh, I was just gonna say. I... It seems a lot of fun. It's just, it's really, yeah, it plays with you a little bit as an audience. It um, it has some nice twists. It's um, the the part that kind of <laughs> is when they say that she was a guest star, you know, and how did she has a catchphrase? Razzle dazzle. The guest stars shouldn't have a catchphrase. That should be like the main star of the show. I kind of forgot that she was a guest star on this show. Uh, it seemed like she would have been like the main star. I mean, a guest star could be like one episode. It could be multiple episodes. So, I mean, I guess. I mean, so, yeah, I see where you're coming from. But, yeah, guest stars typically don't have catchphrases or, or anything like that because, yeah. Well, like Ben Ben Linus was a guest star for like eight <laughs> episodes or something before, but I get you. Yeah, I wonder. Maybe they all say razzle dazzle. That's what I was thinking. Like all. I mean, the, if uh, if you've got a if you got a catchphrase, like they wouldn't have killed off Urkel. You know, who's gonna say? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, so she she she's done. She goes back and lives with. With her sugar daddy, he he gives her a nice diamond, you know, bracelet, and they meet Paulo, who can make excellent food, and then all of a sudden... A, he cooks a mean frittata. I just gotta I, throw that out there. I was just like, I, dang, I, I'll take a frittata right now. Listen, <laughs> that food on them plates actually looked really good. Uh, for the poison, I mean, that's the only right, down part. Right. And it's it's the truffle shavings. It's the truffle shavings. Um, but uh, but he he ends up having a what we think is kind of like a heart attack. And they're so they're so concerned about him. They're so concerned about him. And then not nope, she rips open the 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 robies in and takes the key and goes and unlocks the safe for diamonds that are worth eight million dollars and oh. we find out that her and paulo are in on it the whole time and uh yeah so they've killed this guy and now they're fleeing the country yeah. i i did think it was kind of fun that he started to say something about his wife and then right as he died so we never found out like was this guy married was he getting divorced was he gonna tell his wife about Nikki, I, just, I thought it was kind of fun that they didn't finish that sentence. Yeah, although I did find it was funny too that that that, that she said, you know, we we we've got to find a better way than me having to eat the food that you're poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was she. I have to say, they do a pretty dang good job. 
like the both of these actors in the, this performance, especially her. I think she does the best. Like the way she so quickly switches to just that she's got so much like attitude or whatever you want to call it. Like, did I really have to eat the same food as him? Like, come <laughs> like, uh, we're poisoning. <laughs> oh, it's so great. It's hilarious, actually. I did I was, like the. I, go ahead. I was going to say I, that, that I had like the airport scene, but go ahead. I was going to say, uh, I wanted to give credit to this guy, though. That was a pretty smooth move. The old, uh, try one of these homemade rolls. I was, I was like, oh, yeah, I wish I had I wish I had Note like that. that. <laughs> <laughs> but just want to put my, my note here uh, that I wrote at the end of this part was, uh, so they're murderers. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We haven't really had that in a flashback that, I mean, yeah, we have Sawyer and, and Kate that kill people, but it's like not just f- for complete personal gain. Like there's emotion to that, that you understand. <laughs> they just kill this guy in cold blood and steal his diamonds. <laughs> so yeah. It just immediately tells us what to expect in this episode. And it's, and it's funny too because she said she said don't smoke it le- ashes leave evidence. I'm sitting there thinking you're touching the key and opening the safe. Your fingerprints are all over that mess. <laughs> I I do wonder how they got away with this. Like he's just they say he had a heart attack in the paper, but I mean he was obviously eating dinner with someone at that table. There is obviously a cook there. And like, I just don't know how nobody investigated anything on this. Yeah, I, I just maybe well, that's they, what they, they got on a the, plane. Right. Maybe that yeah. maybe that's what they put on the paper while they were trying to look for uh look for these guys. But uh but yeah, so so they, they get on the plane they get on the airport. I love this, by the way. I love this part where Shannon and Boone are just fighting and fussing <laughs> and yelling at each other about not being able to get the best seats on the plane or not being able to get the best seat in the airport. And <laughs> and Paulo looks at her and says, or no, Nikki looks at Paulo and says, please tell me we're never going to end up like that, like those guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. And, and it really reminds you of just how horrible Shannon was, like pre-Saeed. Um, you know, she really kind of came around there, but man, flashback Shannon was pretty horrible. Yeah. So All right. anything else before we move on to the island? No, I think we can go on island. Okay. So I mean, uh, was it easier go- just to go kind of chronologically through this? Cause I don't have everything separated. Um, yeah. I, so, okay. I, I'm just gonna be honest too. Like the off island stuff, I actually did not mind on this episode. Like I don't mind the episode because it gives a, it gives a nice backstory to it. My irritation with the episode always came like the on island part of this. Well, I I will say this: like Nikki and Paulo are not really um, that engaging of characters for the most part. No, I mean, they're, they're pretty. Not. They're, they do a pretty good job in this episode, but. The thing that I always forget about this episode is there's so much good stuff from all these other supporting these other characters. I mean, just the very beginning, the first scene, it's hilarious to see Sawyer and and Hurley like <laughs> training at ping pong, and Sawyer is like hell bent on on getting good enough to take on Sawyer. It's like oh, best out of seven. Now <laughs> you know we're doing best out of five. No, no, let's keep going. Uh, and Did you send your ping pong paddles, by the way. Yeah, there were cans, yeah. top of can lids. They're, they're like big old can lids. <laughs> that seems like it'd be a pretty good paddle, actually. I think that'd be pretty nice. <laughs> and then we get this great. I mean, the open is, you know, she collapses like seemingly dead, and uh, so here just says, "Who the hell is Nikki?" <laughs> it's, it's such a self-aware moment by the writers going. Yes, we know you hate these characters. This is not Sawyer saying that. This is you, the audience, saying, who the hell's Nikki? And it's true. <laughs> so. I, I did think it was kind of funny. Just when they, you know, they always say you got to keep the doctor safe, you know. 
the first season, Locke would, didn't want Jack to go run off because, you know, you got to protect the doctor. Well, this episode shows us why. If you don't have a doctor there, this is the sort of shenanigans that happens. You get people getting declared dead who aren't dead, getting buried alive. Like, this is why you need a doctor around. Yeah. But, 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 in, but in their defense, too, remember, um, who said, I can't remember if it was Nikki that said it or if it was Arts that said it, that that one bite from the Medusa spider will leave you, um, will slow your heart rate so down, so slow down so much that not even medical professional um, will believe you're alive or, or, or will it look like you're I can't remember who was that. Do you remember? That, that was yeah. Nikki. Nikki said that because she learned it from Arts. But she said right. that to Paolo. So I don't even think Jack would have been able to tell they were still alive. Uh, I don't know. I don't think they would have got buried alive if Jack was there. That's just me. I don't know. I think that they said. I think that he said most doctors or uh, a doctor, a doctor might not even notice. It was like not like they for sure, but you know, you know, it depends on the doctor. <laughs> yeah, Jack is you know kind of one of the best of the best. I'd, I'd say so. So I, I, I don't really. I mean, we could talk about it however we want to talk about it. I just, um, I, uh, I just got well, notes. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we can kind of go a little chronologically and just when we saw some scenes that we've seen before, you know, it kind of played the hits. You know, the highlights of season one. You know, we got the plane crash. We've got the big Jack speech. And it, it, to me, it was really fun how they worked them into these scenes. Yeah, and I, agree. I mean, obviously, we, we saw in the in the episode facts that they put a lot of work into that, and and I I thought they were really effective. Like they didn't seem, you know, we we've seen some bad CGI on this show, but this it wasn't here where it could have easily been here. But I, I feel like they did a really good job working them into. You know, just the you know the Jack scene. We we see Arts running by. It was Boone. Boone stole the water, and you know you kind of don't remember that that's what led to that speech. But I was like, oh, that's when the speech happened. So I thought I thought they did a really good job of kind of just showing that they were there at all of these events that we've already seen. Um, and I don't. Know, it worked for me. I don't know if it did for you guys. I think this episode is entertaining. Does it add? a lot to lost as a series not really but there is some fun stuff watching this episode is almost like a all those little missing pieces things like just on steroids like getting all those little (laughs) hidden scenes and stuff like that because there's really some unsung heroes in this episode uh first and foremost dr arts or mr arts is he a doctor i don't know whatever yeah he he's in it a bunch. You get Ian Salmon Handel or however you say that. Uh, Boone, you, he's back, and Maggie Grace is back as Shannon. I mean, I think we, that we get some Ethan as well. We get some Ethan. I would say the two that really stood out to me were were Maggie and Arts. I think that. <laughs> Like Arts is like a star in this episode. He's in a lot. I mean, he's he's like part of the the. He's a major part of the plot, and uh, so I thought it was great to see him because he's only in a, a limited amount of the series. And then Shannon, I thought Shannon had some very funny scenes. She's like uh, when she was there on the beach talking to Kate, and I can't even remember the context of the scene. But she was, uh, she had some pretty funny stuff in the episode. It was, I, it, it was a scene where why should Jack be the one to have the key to the guns? Yes, it was that scene. And then, and then, and then, uh, Art Art says like the, the the stupidest line I have ever heard in my life: "The pigs are walking." What does that even mean? <laughs> that, that that is one of my favorite references on the entire series. <laughs> I love that line. And what does it, it mean, Steven? It's, it's from Animal Farm by George Orwell. This is going back to my my previous life as a training to be a high school English teacher. The book Animal Farm is one of my favorite books. It was one of my favorite books to teach. And it's the scene at the end. Basically, the movie is about um, 
the animals on the farm taking o- you know taking over and getting their independence from their human ruler and they slowly become more and more like the humans that they overthrew and so at the by the end the pig who has kind of become the dictator ends up walking on two legs rather than on four legs and he's basically become human he's become the thing that he overthrew it's so it's kind of a saying that the the oppressed become you know the oppressor and you you just you had to read animal farm to get it and okay. if you did it, it to me it was one of my favorite lines of the entire series i look okay. forward to that every time so two things about that number one that is a complete ripoff of the planet of the apes number two <laughs> no, no, it number might be two. the other way around <laughs> oh okay yeah. no, no, number two what, what does it even mean in context of this scene uh, i think it's that the there i think he was basically saying that the the a team our heroes have kind of taken over and are are ruling everything and you know that that i guess the rest of them are kind of like he complained about the clicks you know in season one with hurley how you know the a-team is kind of taken over and making all these decisions without you know it's no longer a communal thing they have he's basically calling them dictators yeah yeah okay thank you for clearing that up yeah, I just like I could kind of pick on up on. I didn't know the exact reference, but just based on his performance, his kind of outrage at the leaders <laughs> yes. of the group that he has. Um, yeah, I'd love getting to live together, die alone scene again, and getting some different angles. What was one of the things that was cool about this is I'm sure it was fun for these actors because they've been all separated this whole season, and you got to have a lot of these people. I know not everyone had to film in this, but uh, it seems like the majority of them all had like at least one scene in there where they were part of it. And the the what I did pick out that I thought was odd: no Claire this episode. Interesting. Seemed weird, seemed weird that Claire wouldn't have been a part of either the investigation because I mean she's usually around Charlie. Charlie was part of the investigation, but I'm pretty sure we didn't get any Claire this episode, other than maybe the scene of her screaming, you know, when the plane first crashed or crawling out of the water. But other than that, we yeah. didn't get any actual Claire. Very interesting. Maybe just available. I mean, this is an expensive episode. So if they could, <laughs> like, you know, cut somebody out and not pay them, I'm sure they try to, because getting all these people, I'm sure it wasn't cheap. And you got Billy Dean, uh, Will Williams in there too. Um, I love that. They get Ethan in there, and Ethan comes to try to help them. He's wearing his Wisconsin sweatshirt. <laughs> and it, I think this really reflects like perfectly on Nikki and Paolo's character that Ethan is like the guy they trust. <laughs> Ethan is their go-to guy. <laughs> They're like, why did you talk to Arch? You should have talked to Ethan. He's the trustworthy guy. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> yes, okay, that makes total sense. Oh. But, um, do you guys want to talk about the investigation a little bit? Like, before we like, get the rest of, uh... Are you, are, are you talking about what's dealing with Sun? Yeah, I mean, just like, okay. Hurley and, I mean, Hurley has some great moments in this episode. Hurley and Sawyer. And I just have to say, it's, it's kind of reminding me of, like, Timon and Pumbaa. Where, you know, uh, <laughs> have we see to me? This tells me how bad this episode is that we're we're that we're comparing something to Timon and Boomba on oh. episode of Laws. Well, it's like Hurley will would say these things, like just make like some like acute observation, like, oh, maybe like. Uh, they were trying to kill each other, or there's something. Well, I can't remember what exactly he would, you know, points. Why is his pants undone? Like maybe there was something going on there. And Sawyer's just like, ah, you know, well, what? He's just disregards everything Hurley says, but it's like almost he's like right on the exact track of what's <laughs> happening the whole time. Yep. <laughs> so um, be, be, before we get to that, we have to get to the moment where Son 
thinks it's the others because I really I really want to talk about this moment. Okay, I think this is really good. And Charlie finally confesses to Son that that um, that he's the one who actually took because it all kind of goes together. Well, what happened to Nikki yeah. and Paula? Well, it's probably the others. Well, how do you know it's the others? Well, the others. They they always want to take us down because they when they put a bag on drove me and drove me into the woods. You see Sawyer and and Charlie kind of give each other this eye, and then of course Charlie eventually confesses. And I love the mic drop moment by Son, where where Sawyer looks at uh, Son and says, "So are you going to tell Jen?" And Son says, "No, because then we would have to dig another grave." And I'm like, "Dang!" Like, yes. Ma'am, she just straight rocked him without even touching him. And she slapped the crap out of Sawyer too. Well, well, I'm talking about be, I'm talking about before the slap, but I mean, <laughs> I mean that that line, no, because we're gonna dig another grave. And Sawyer kind of looked like, yeah, right, you know. But I really think Jen could have straight up killed Sawyer if he was enraged enough. And honestly, if there ever was a well-deserved slap. This was it. I mean, yes. the, that was great. <laughs> he definitely deserved it. He he had to know he deserved it. Um, I I did think it was really dumb of Charlie to tell Son this. Like, that's one of those things you take to your grave. You, 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 I mean, I see why he felt the need to, but, man, I, I just think that was dumb. And I do give Sun credit that instead of blaming, you know, getting mad at Charlie, she just kind of walked away because she knew that it was really Sawyer's fault. Um, so I, I did appreciate <clears throat> that reaction from Sun, but I just thought Charlie made a bad decision here telling her that. I think Sun should have still gotten mad at Charlie, though, because even if Sawyer put him up to it, Charlie still did it, though. And 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 Charlie still is the one who dragged her and put the bag over her head. So he still did the act. So there should have been some, you know, well, repercussions on that issue. I think she also just made. I think maybe her just walking away maybe made him feel bad enough. I mean, he you could tell when he that he knew he, what he did was wrong. You know, like you could. I think you could kind of tell he felt remorse, and she probably could tell that too. So maybe not reacting to him was, you know, her way of punishing him. Yeah. Yeah, and I understand what you're saying, Stephen, that maybe he should have. I mean, it's it's very risky to confess to this. But I do think, like, for Charlie's character, especially with the arc that they're setting up for Charlie this season it's it's kind of important to the guy that they want to leave us with the final impression of who he is it's important for him to own up to this uh, even if it is yeah. a very dangerous thing to do because that was like his darkest moment and that was a pretty horrible thing to do and it's also hard to like have these scenes where son and Charlie share the screen and everything's good and, and dandy because we as the audience know that Charlie dragged her through the jungle with a bag on her head. So, yeah, I, I think that like it was kind of necessary uh, just that so we could so that we could forgive Charlie in a way, too. That's a good point. I kind of forgot about that, the, the fact that that's where they're heading with Charlie. So yeah, we are kind of running out of time to, to have that information come out. So yeah, that, that makes a lot more sense, honestly. But what they, it is, it is kind of funny how it's like hidden in this like rather funky episode, yeah. but, <laughs> but it's still, and, yeah. I, I do also really enjoy the fact that the first thing that Sawyer does when son confronts him is, is ask if he, if she's going to tell Jen, I, I love these kind of these friendships that Sawyer has built. You know, he doesn't, you know, he tries to play off as this, you know, I don't care guy. But you see, he really cares about Jen and what Jen thinks about him. Kind of like we see over and over. He cares about Hurley. I mean, he, he cares about Charlie, too, I think. Um, but it's kind of just fun to see these little um, 
friendships that Sawyer has built, and that's his first yeah. concern. It's not is everybody going to find? I was like, oh man, is my friend Jen gonna gonna know this that I did this to his wife? He'll never forgive me, kind of thing. So I I, I like that about Sawyer. Yeah, I, I think in Sawyer has an interesting episode. He I loved earlier when he's interacting with Hurley. And reminder that he can't say any nicknames, so he gives him a <laughs> whatever Hugo, which just sounds so funny coming out of his mouth. Which technically he broke his own rule because he did give a couple uh, nickname ish on this episode. Yeah, kind of, but he kind of just a couple jabronis. But I don't know if that's really a nickname. It's just, a, but it kind of is. But uh, then later on, Hurley is you know talking with desmond and he finds out that sawyer had an argument with nikki earlier that morning so now sawyer becomes kind of suspect number one hey you were arguing with the person that was murdered what was going on there so everybody's everybody's kind of gossiping about it around the uh, graveyard and then he comes over and you know i don't know what what is what does sawyer say but it's you know it's they've basically all you know oh he's like it's like the villagers with torches right <laughs> yeah <clears throat> so he has to talk his way out of the whole thing but i mean it's just kind of funny the, the, the little twists and turns are are great uh, another kind of kind of funny thing is when they're dragging the bodies back and uh you know hurley thinks that it was uh the you know that that was what Echo meant when he said, you're next. And and Sawyer's like, no, he wasn't talking about them. He was talking about all of us. And Hurley said, yeah, yeah, that's not really better. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Oh. There's there's a couple times when people seem to be wrong, but they're then they're kind of right. Like, who is it? Was it her, Charlie who kept saying, who is it? Someone kept saying it must have been the monster. And then... G- Jen, Jen and Hurley, I think both. Yeah, Jen and Hurley, I think. And then when we actually see what happens, we realize the monster did briefly kind of show up, you know, came came by, and then you know d- disappeared. So the monster was you know kind of involved, but um, yeah, but kind of talking, you know, we, we, when we kind of go back a little bit to Nikki and Paulo here, though, they. Um, so they have this idea where they think the diamonds are because they're all on the they're on this hunt for these diamonds on the island and um, <laughs> Nikki and Paula go to the go to go to the go to the water and pretty much she says well I had to sleep with uh, this person so you can go for a swim and uh, so he goes for a swim to try to find the diamonds and says he didn't find them but we all know he finds them because he hides them where in the awkward toilet flush that is. Um, in the station, which is actually funny that now I will say it is cool that they're the ones who found the station first out of all of them. Um, and then covered it back up real quickly. Um, so they found the station. He hid the diamonds inside the station and then he goes, then they eventually go back with him so he could steal the diamonds and put them in his, put them in his pants so he can get them out of there. And, but, well, only yeah. after he was about to bury them, like right next to the ocean, and Locke is like, "Yo, not a good idea. Come on." Yeah, that was um, that was funny that Locke was on to him. And then, of course, you know, Nikki comes up and they're talking, and and he he genuinely says, "You know, we didn't find him." But I okay, so I have to say, I actually, in a little bit of my mind, think that. Paulo really did fear that Nikki was going to leave him if she had the diamonds and I got off the island. So I'm like, well, I could see his point. She probably shouldn't have lied about it, but I could see his point. But she eventually discovers that he has got the diamonds because, of course, she found the what? The nicotine gum. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, dude, like, you've been on, you've been on this island for how long? You can't kick the habit. I mean, I know that it's hard to quit smoking, but... When you're in a crazy situation like that island, you think, I don't know, it just seems pretty risky to be using that gum that is known to be in the same bag as the, uh, diamonds. Yeah. 
Well, part of that whole story, too, that I don't want to skip over is the the scene with Ben and Juliet when um, Paolo is hiding in the bathroom down there. And I got to say, I mean, how crappy of it was was it for (laughs) Paolo to not tell (laughs) (laughs) but for for Paolo to not mention this information to anybody? I mean, he heard them say we're going to we're going to get. Jack, you know, basically we're going to take Jack or get him to come to us by using Michael, who Michael is missing at the time. Like, he, it was, you know, he really should have told somebody this information. Now, granted, I'm sure he felt like that people would be asking why he was down there. But, man, you could have made something up. But I really feel like, you know, tell him, hey, don't tell Nikki this, but I overheard this kind of thing. I really feel like... That was kind of just a, a just a jerk move by Paolo. I think he was yeah. just afraid afraid of getting caught down there, you know, wondering why why he was down there and all those other kind of things. I, I do think that like Nikki and Paolo being brought into the show is you know controversial, but they, I, I think that this explanation of why they weren't involved in the previous seasons actually holds up to me because basically what we learn about them is they're both extremely selfish and greedy and they had just murdered a guy and were so and stolen $8 million worth of diamonds. And so they're so obsessed about keeping a low profile, finding the diamonds and like staying isolated from everyone else. That's why they don't really show up a lot in things. And so I kind of bought into that. Um, and it kind of feeds into what you're saying. Like it is totally a you know just a horrible thing to not bring up what's going on here or what he witnesses um, down in the station. But like these two people are, they're so selfish that they can't even share these huge amount of diamonds that you know, that they got together. Like they want yeah. it all for themselves. So um, you know, Paulo's not a good guy. He's yeah, bad look for Paulo. Yeah. What do you guys think of this scene? This scene is it's so interesting because in a way it's almost jarring to see Ben and Juliet dressed like this because we don't really see them dressed in this sort of other gear very much. Right. Um, I mean, well, I don't think we ever see I think this is the first and only time we ever see Juliet dressed in, in the other garments. Like we, I don't think we ever see her just like that again. Ben, we've seen him like that when he was at the dock and met the guys, but we never see Juliet dressed like this. This is the first and only time I think we do. And th- it was awkward. there's really, yeah, there's really not a lot of substance to the conversation, though. I mean, what do they say? Like, we're gonna try to get these people. I mean, just all stuff that we already kind of knew, right? But it's it does. Weird. It does give us a little bit of a timeline. Yeah, she, you know, she thinks he's cute. As to th- this is when this is how I took it. It's like Ben is on their side of the island, and he's over there, and this is probably when he gets caught. Am I right? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think. Are you talking about like, like do you think this is the when he got caught? Was after this? Yeah, sometime around this time. I mean, I wonder. I don't know what if the costume is the same costume, but do you think he intentionally got caught then? Because I mean, he would have been with Juliet, like unless they essentially said, "Hey, I'm I'm going to get caught, and this is how we're going to do it." I mean, I guess that could have happened. Well, these aren't the clothes that he gets caught in, though. I'm not if sure. I, yeah. If I remember correctly, these aren't these aren't these aren't the the clothes that he gets caught in. Um but I um I'll I'll look it up because I'm trying to think cuz this kind of uh, Yeah, go go, go well, y- y'all go ahead and talk. I'm going to look this up because I'm trying <laughs> to figure out what episode this is. I know it's in season 2. Well, another thing I thought kind of weird was the fact that we find their walkie-talkie with Paolo. Like, did I didn't see? Did one of them leave it there on accident um, when they left the pearl? I mean, that doesn't seem like Ben or Juliet to just accidentally forget their walkie-talkie. 
And if they realized they left it, wouldn't they have gone back to get it? Like, and then realized, oh, that it's not there. Is that seemed weird to me? Yeah, the, that happened like so quickly. I didn't really notice um, who left it or what exactly happened there. I wonder, did Juliet leave it there on purpose? I mean, maybe she did that. Um, that's certainly possible. It seems like some, something she might do. Yeah, it's not really clear. I don't know if there's a, a whole lot of answers to exactly why and how Ben got captured. But it, it, I think that this scene at least shows us, hey, they were doing something over there. They, they were either they were planning something. They were in the area. And so it, it just it gives you and he's they're dressed in this type of garb. It it kind of fits in the timeline as it as it seems like it should. So. But. So I know he's in, so he, he's in an orange shirt in this one. So this very well could be right after he actually gets caught. But he remember in this episode, though, he has um, he has that vest on. So maybe he lost the vest somehow. And but he is wearing an orange shirt when he gets caught in Rousseau's net. And he's wearing an orange shirt in this one. So this very well, it could have been he got caught or maybe it was part of the plan after they spied on Jack and all them for him to get caught um, on the way back and um, to, to, to begin the planning process to get to get forward, you know, Austin and, and, and Shepard together. So, yeah, interesting. Well. Yeah, it's kind of unclear, but I, I do think I like that it adds a little more detail. Speaking of adding more detail, I've brought him up before, but just like let's talk about arts, like his little like science, you know, is whatever his his collection of Animals. insects he's got going on yes. here. I loved this, like the, the his little tent that he has built and. <laughs> He thinks he's going to be the next um, Charles Darwin. He's like, I've discovered eight, whatever, is he like 20 new species. I have all these cool like spiders. And he's doing all this research. And, you know, I actually didn't pick up on this line. It made me feel maybe dumb or whatever. Um, or I didn't put it all together. He says, you know, he's got that, the deadly spider. What's, what's, what's he, what does he call it? The, the, the Medusa um, spider. Medusa. And, with the fa the pheromones or whatever whatever the uh, um, when she releases whatever this is, the male spiders like just come flocking like they can't help it they come running there, which I know there's we're gonna have different theories about the end but it totally ties in with the end. I mean this is just like this episode just fits together like a little puzzle piece and it's so cool that. Um, the way they constructed this. It's very clever. So love seeing lots of arts. <laughs> I love that he helped with the trajectory and he's a little, you know, he's a little smitten by Nikki, which is kind of funny. Yeah. So, uh, so moving on, I guess, toward, toward the end of the episode, um, well, unless one, you guys have something else. One more thing before, because the end is pretty big. <laughs> the other takeaway I had from this episode did anybody notice when we get the part where they show Desmond, because they were kind of like catching us up to like right before the end and they show Desmond um, watching the argument. He's like talking to this guy. Like I just, there's this kettle carrying guy. Did you guys notice him? He's just like an extra. I did. I, did. <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to figure out if that was either Scott or Steve. Uh, he looked with the curly hair. He looked like, the one that's still alive, whichever one that is, he kind of looked like that guy to me. And I'm not sure if he was, but that's who I was thinking well, it might be. That's in the present time. So it could be, yeah, I guess it would be the one who's, if, I guess one of them's still alive. I, th I wasn't sure. I think it was the curly hair kind of reminded me of. It was like Steve. That. It was Steve. He's got glasses, like these very distinct <laughs> like glasses and this like curly hair. He just has like such an interesting look. He looks like a hipster, and he's got this big kettle. And I'm like, who's the kettle carrying guy that Desmond is having this, like you know, pretty you know, engaging conversation with? <laughs> Never noticed this guy before. Or was it Scott? 
<laughs> could, have, could have been either one. Could have been either one. That's funny. I thought yeah. they were both dead, to be honest. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, all right. So kind of like the big ending that was kind of alluded to after a while, um, for a while now. The the big ending ended up being Nikki knows that Paulo stole the diamonds, so she grabbed a Medusa spider from Arts' collection and threw it on him, and it bit him, and it paralyzes him, and and um, as she's getting the diamonds and all the kind of things, we she ends up getting bit by another one of the spiders, but she gets bit on the leg, not the neck. Um, and just, go I, ahead. I love, that, I love that this was her backup plan because Sawyer wouldn't give her a gun. Is to go get this spider, but it's like if he had given her a gun, was she was she just gonna shoot him? Like, how would she explain that to everyone? I mean, I think she would have shot him. I mean, they they killed the other guy to get the diamonds to begin with. I don't think she would have hesitated or just Nick, held him at gunpoint and said, "Give me the diamonds." I think Nikki was more was more cold blooded than Paulo was. Oh, Nikki is a sociopath for sure. She is she. I mean, she just has no problem killing people. Yeah. So when the other di- so when the other spiders come and bite Nikki, and she gets bit in the leg, obviously we see her. She buried the diamond. She runs out of the woods, and we see her point of view, and she runs at the, you know, Sawyer and Hurley, whatever. But um, some people say the pheromones of the the Medusa spider that bit Paulo brought. The other spiders, although I'm of the theory that the, that the smoke monster did because you hear the smoke monster right before all those spiders show up. So I'm of the, one of the opinion that it was this it was the smoke monster turned itself into one of those spiders. I'm just saying, where do you guys <laughs> fall on this? Well, I've never heard that theory before. Um, Ed, I, I can I can see it. Um, I obviously just definitely thought it was. The pheromones, because Arts had said earlier that's what would happen, but definitely didn't think about it being the man in black. Um, I guess another question could be, where did these spiders go after this happened? Because, you know, our people are not too far behind going and finding Paolo, and there doesn't appear to be any spiders there to worry about. Thus, that's why I think it was the man in black, because... They came, they did their job, and then they disappeared. Because we know he can turn into animals because he's done it before with the horse. So I figure if he can turn into a horse, he can turn into a spider. <laughs> well, I think they figured out that the the lady spider was dead, so they, you know, ran away. <laughs> so it, It's interesting. I used to always think that, I mean, I was under the impression that it was the smoke monster 100%. I was like, definitely a smoke monster. But now... Having rewatched it today, I'm actually I'm swinging to the other side. I think it's definitely what Steven said. It's just the pheromones because the way they plant the seed and like they say, like he said specifically, they come like a magnet. Like they can't help it. They like fly over just to try to like find that that female spider, and that's exactly what happens. So like these type of spiders kind of lurk off in the you know hiding. They don't normally attack people, but when there's it's you know come to mating <laughs> jump out there so they on top of this thing yeah okay. so but the cool really cool part here is as it was set up in the beginning when they're trying to figure out and i had kind of forgot about this too when they're trying to figure out what nikki said with her last you know dying well supposedly dying words Sawyer thought it was something about plywood, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then uh, Paul. I mean, uh, Hurley thought it was power lines, and he's like, "Oh no, Paulo lies. Paulo lies," which seems very accurate. And you may even forget if you didn't like watch closely that that's not actually true. Of course, what she's saying is paralyzed, and uh, she's trying with her. Or last word there to tell him, like, hey, just leave me be. I'm paralyzed for eight hours. So, oh, that's so terrible. But they don't, they bury him alive. 
And I know I kept expecting Nikki and Paolo to come back. Like I didn't think they would actually bury them alive. I just kept expecting something to come out. You know, I just I didn't believe it to you know till the rest of the season ended and we didn't hear anything more about them. But you know, as simple as that that those their deaths were in essence, that was one of the most morbid deaths so in the series. <laughs> Really was, yeah. <laughs> so Buried alive. Oh yeah. Well, anything else, guys? Before we kind of move toward the end here. Yeah, that's all I got. Yeah. All right. Well, in memoriam, obviously, Nikki and Paulo, we bid you farewell, um, and we will never see you again. Uh, so goodbye, Nikki and Paulo. And uh, may your may your dreams be razzle dazzle filled, and um, I don't even know. And may your heavens be filled with frittatas. So, and anyways. may you may you sleep in peace, knowing that Miles will steal all your diamonds. That that is true. <laughs> this is some good game of it. Oh, all right, Stephen. How are we rating this thing? It's All right. next one. It's uh, we're gonna rate this from one to twenty-three. Um, Art spiders in peanut butter jars. Um, so, Corey, how many um, Arts Medusa spiders in peanut butter jars would you give this episode? Yeah, uh, it's it's hard to rate this one because it's so weird, but it's just such a, a creative um inventive idea i mean it's very people always say this is like watching an episode of the twilight zone and it kind of feels that way but yeah a lot of cast involved a lot of effort put into trying to make this happen and it's just it's a lot of fun i i'm gonna you know i'm gonna go 20 out of 23 uh spider arts spiders and peanut butter jars because I just I really enjoyed it watching. I, it was very entertained. All right, and Mike, how about you? How how many uh, spiders would you give this one? All right, so I'm probably going to be on the opposite spectrum. Um, I gave it a little bit lower than uh, than than Corey did, and probably Stephen will. Um, I did give it points because of Billy D. Williams, um, obviously Lando. Much props. Um, I did give it points because I really did enjoy the off-island stuff. I would have loved to have seen more of that. Um, I uh, I think some of the things were interesting. But overall, I, I just did not like this episode. Um, I, 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 I didn't like the on-island stuff. I understand what they were doing. The, the way they seamlessly edited Nikki and Paulo in, I'm, I'm okay with. I thought it was it was good, but other than that, I just I thought this episode like if you were to take this episode out of this whole series of Lost, you won't miss anything. Like there, like there, there's nothing relevant in this episode that that you absolutely need to the story of Lost. And and to me, when you're halfway through season three and you're heading toward the home stretch now of season three. You, you 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 can't waste episodes to me. So, unfortunately to me, I give this episode a 9 out of 23. Um, arts, Medusa spiders, and peanut butter jars. Probably an unpopular opinion. I get it. Um, but probably one of my well, lowest scores, too. I don't know if that's an unpopular opinion or not. I mean, I, I feel like most people kind of make fun of this episode. Whether, you know, but... I think, you know, we've had kind of opposite scores here. I'm going to fall on Corey's side here. And I also gave this one a 20 out of 23. I really enjoyed it. Um, I certainly, I can see why this episode is divisive, but I enjoyed it. I thought it worked. I loved the way they, we saw some, some of the greatest hits again with them kind of added in there. I enjoyed the story. I've always been a fan of, uh, Rodrigo Santoro, I just I've liked him in a lot of things, so I enjoy him. And uh, just on the first scene alone, I mean, I give give uh, Keely Sanchez a uh, 
you know, I give her a, a 27 out of 23. But, you know, the rest of the episode <laughs> brought it down to a... We're gonna we're gonna call this a twenty out of twenty three. I I also enjoyed this episode. All right, it's all right. Two, two it's all right. Two out of three people can be wrong. It's a habit. It's okay. It happens. Uh, <laughs> I just I'm glad they I'm glad they had the guts to go for this and just you know. And I'm okay the fact that we don't all always agree yeah. on either. It's it's so. It's okay to be divisive on some things on this. So, uh, but kind of moving in toward the end here, as we kind of finishing some things up, um, the name dictionary, the closest we can get to names were jabronis by Sawyer and Nina and Pablo. Uh, of course, who the heck is, <laughs> is Nikki? Um, we're still at 25 freckle count. Cause you know, Kate's tramping around in the woods right now. Uh, as far as pop culture connections go, uh, we already mentioned earlier, and Steve mentioned earlier, Animal Farm was was brought up with The Pigs Are Walking from George Orwell's Animal Farm. Um, Nikki and her character Corvette both used the catchphrase Razzle Dazzle, which is a song in the musical Chicago about distracting a jury with dramatics so they won't see the truth. Uh, and is also the title of a movie about the fiercely competitive world of children's <laughs> dance. <laughs> oh, it keeps going. Hang on. Razzle Dazzle, we're not done. The Ron and Fez show. Razzle Dazzle is also a reference to the Ron and Fez show on XM Satellite Radio. Um, Associate Bruce Eastside Dave starts off weekly gossip segment with a voice over another producer saying Razzle Dazzle in a ridiculous fashion. Uh, Brian Vaughn, new writer on Lost and a big Ron and Fez fan said recently during a visit in a studio that he would be working on some references to their show into the dialogue of Lost. This is widely speculated to be the first such reference. Uh, let's see. Evil Under the Sun. Sawyer is reading Evil Under the Sun by Agatha Christie. Uh, the plot of the book is a murder on an isolated island and the key elements are a live person posing as a dead body and the time of death not being what it appeared to be. The plot of the episode itself plays out similarly to many murder mysteries. Uh, Corvette, Nikki's character, is named after the Chevrolet Corvette. Jurassic Park, upon suggesting that a monster is a dinosaur, Nikki tells Paul the island is not Jurassic Park. Great line. Uh, Charlotte's Web, Zuckerman, the producer of Expose, is the same name as the farmer in Charlotte's Web, Homer Zuckerman. Uh, Zuckerman. Um, Charlotte's web title character as a spider is, is one of the pivotal characters episode, the Medusa spider. Here, here you go, Steve. This one's for you. Um, rump shaker. The music <laughs> Nikki strip teases to is rump shaker by, uh, Rekix in effect. <laughs> uh, arts refers to himself as Charles Darwin or the next Charles Darwin. He was a famous naturalist and writer of the seminal work on evolution. Ironically, the Darwin award is a fake award given to people who kill themselves or otherwise remove themselves from the human gene pool in humorless ways, similarly to how Arch blows himself up. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. <laughs> that was <laughs> terrible. Um, Wolfgang Puck. Zuckerman refers to Paolo as the Wolfgang Puck of Brazil, and he's an Austrian-American celebrity chef, restaurateur, and businessman in L.A. Um, University of Chicago. Ethan appeared wearing a sweatshirt from the University of Chicago. This Gee, episode... I'm sorry, Wisconsin. Edward Kinsis and Adam Horowitz met each other at the University of Wisconsin. Yeah, that's uh, fun. That, that's pretty nice. When yeah. Nikki asked for a gun from Sawyer, he explains to her that all of his guns were taken by the A-Team. The A-Team was a TV show that went from 83 to 89. Uh, in the course, we talked about professional wrestling a little bit. When Sawyer calls Nikki and Paolo jabronis, a term where a wrestler who is booked to regularly lose on shows, also called jobbing. The most famous wrestler to use the phrase jabronis was The Rock. So Excellent. With that being said, Corey, what are we watching next time? Well, we got a couple more jabronis next week. Oh my! We have an uh, interesting episode. I'm wondering uh, what we're gonna, what our takeaway is. This is this is one where, you know, probably not a rewatch. Um, you know, you know, pop a, one that you rewatch all the time, but. It is Left Behind. It's a Kate-centric episode. Mm-hmm. We're going to get more Juliet. We're going to get some Smoke Monster. We're going to get a lot of mud. Mainly mud. 
This is a big mud <laughs> yes. episode. Yes. <laughs> very, very, very muddy. Yeah. Excited about that. It'll be a you know different, um, you know, very different taste than this episode. So we'll from this kind of lighthearted. I mean, this was lighthearted, but also dark. And then next episode is kind of like a horror episode in a way. So Ooh. good stuff. Nice. Looking forward to it. I am. So, uh, hey, guys, that was Expose from uh, from Law. So if you liked it, let us know. If you didn't, that's cool. Let us know that, too. It happens. Um, but uh, it's been it's been great. So next time we're doing Left Behind, a Kate-centric episode. We're looking forward to that. And if you love our podcast, please review us. Look for us on social media. And, again, we are part of the RetroZap network. So check us out at RetroZap.com. So until next time, stay safe. Have fun, and good luck out there. Peace out, everybody.